We want to welcome you to the Bible teaching ministry of Fellowship Bible Church, where our desire is to honor God by faithful obedience to His Word. If you want to understand the Bible better, please continue to listen as Pastor Matt Postiff explains and applies the biblical text one verse at a time. You can reach us with questions or for more teaching audio and print material at our website, fbcaa.org. You can also watch our services live at fbcaa.org slash live. We want to thank you for listening and pray that you will be edified. Join us now as Pastor Postiff opens God's Word. I bet you think that you know where we're going to turn our Bibles this evening. But don't go there too quickly because you need to go to your Old Testament and go to Ecclesiastes. Now, we've had a series in the book of Ecclesiastes, but it struck me that I would like to do a little bit of a different study in the book of Ecclesiastes, and I was reading through it as my, in my devotional reading and uh, listening to it be read on the ESV, actually, and enjoying that. And as I'm usually my practice is when I'm uh, re- having it read aloud, I'm also looking at the screen And I haven't figured out, by the way, how to keep that screen on. It always wants to dim, and I have to tap the screen every once in a while to keep it awake. So uh, I just haven't looked into it. But uh, I keep doing that because I want to read the words with my eyes as well as with my ears. And uh, that gets it into two two gateways, if you will, one, two, and that helps you to to know and learn what you're reading. But it, it occurred to me as I read through this in a couple of snippets that, uh, there are some very good pieces of wisdom in Ecclesiastes. Now, they're also what I might call, if you would let me do this, uh, frustrating parts of Ecclesiastes. You know, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. You know, the sun rises and the sun sets and everything's a cycle and the water and the seas and the rain and all of this and, you know, bad things happen and all of that sort of stuff. And what's happening is Solomon is exploring the so-called vanities of life. He's doing what many a philosopher has done over the years, trying to plumb the depths of the meaning of life. But and, and so there are enigmatic and there are frustrating Uh, there are bedeviling aspects of that search. If anybody opens their eyes and sees what's going on out in the world, they will see that there are very many problems that are frustrating to look at. You wish that you could fix them if you had the power. As one brother said to me recently, if if they made me king, whoever they is, I'd like to know they. That would be God, actually, uh, the Trinity, if God made us king, we would have this and this and this and this. Everything would be just in order and it would be all perfect. I'd have it all figured out. Um, and so there, there are those frustrations. But from the exploration that Solomon makes, he drew some very good conclusions. His goal was, in co- according to chapter 2, verse 3, to see what was good for the sons of men to do under heaven all the days of their lives. Now, that sounds like a pretty interesting statement. What is it good for us to do all the days of our lives, even if some of those days are frustrating days or difficult days? And without elevating the importance of one scripture over another, you you understand that I take the whole scripture to be uh, all God-breathed, 
um, equally God-breathed, although not all equally applicable or relevant to our particular situation in this time and age. But without elevating one scripture over another, what I've done is I've extracted a number of these principles, wisdom principles and conclusions that Solomon has made, including the motif that he brings up again and again, what we call the judicious enjoyment of life uh, motif or theme that is common throughout the book. We, I say that because many times people have downplayed this aspect of the book and said, well, that's just hedonism, that's just Solomon and all of his you know, explorations and all of his, uh, you know, whatever you want to say, pleasure-seeking and, and man under the sun and all of that. And it, they just it really basically say the book of Ecclesiastes has almost no value to add to our lives. That is utterly false. It's one of the 66 books and it has a lot of good information in it I want you to hear. Uh, and what I've done is I've just listed a number of these verses, and we'll begin to walk through them, and uh, I'll try to discipline myself not to make too many comments on each verse so we can get the weight of them together. He begins in chapter 2, verse 13, with this little piece of or nugget of truth. Wisdom excels folly as light excels darkness. Wisdom excels folly. We'd have to agree with that. It's self-evident. Uh, the, the life of the fool may be a life of pleasure, uh, seemingly pleasurable. It may be uh, light and not light in the sense of, you know, moral light or, or daylight, but, you know, ease, a life of ease, but it's not really. The way of the fool is, is like the way of the evil man, a hard way in the end. In chapter 2, 24 and 25, Solomon brings this conclusion. He says, Nothing is better for a man than that he should eat and drink and that his soul should enjoy good in his labor. This also I saw was from the hand of God. For God gives wisdom and knowledge and joy to a man who is good in his sight. God gives wisdom and knowledge and joy to the man who is good in his sight. So if you say, What is it that can bring meaning into my life? It is, in part, not all, but in part, the enjoyment of the gifts that God has given us in eating and drinking and enjoying the good in our labor. Uh, a simple illustration of this. It's a very childlike illustration. Mom, look what I did. They're enjoying the work of their hands. They're saying, I built this, I did this, I fixed this, or whatever it is. And we have the adult version of that, don't we? We like to share with people, you know, our new house and show them our new car or we're into some tech and we've got this new thing or what, you know, we like to talk about those things. Uh, you know, that's okay. Enjoy the good that is in your labor. And I want to commend the value of labor to you. When you work with your hands or work with your head and you accomplish something, especially something for God, but in any case, something that's for the betterment and, and benefit of the world. You cleaned up your corner of God's vineyard. You know, you've cleaned your room. You fixed something. You have, you have helped someone else. You have, you know, those works. Enjoy the good that is in that labor. There's nothing wrong with that. God has put us here to work. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 now, verse 12 and 13 I know that nothing is better for them than to rejoice and to do good in their lives. Did you get that? 
There's nothing better for you than to rejoice and do good in your life. If you do that, you're in good shape. Rejoice and do good in your life, and you will be a happy person and, and have great joy in your hearts. And also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all his labor. It is the gift of God. Why are you going to sit there and say, the thing which God gave me as a gift, I'm going to look at with a cross expression on my face. God gave you life. He gave you labor. He gave you the things that you earn from that labor that you can purchase with it, enjoy with it, and you're not going to enjoy them? Why not? Why are you not going to enjoy them? Nothing's better for you than to do that. Chapter 3, verse 22, I perceive that nothing is better than that a man should rejoice in his own works, for that is his heritage. You know, what was left to you and what you leave to others, that is a heritage. Uh, chapter 4, verse 6, better is a handful with quietness than both hands full together with toil and grasping for the wind. We say that in these days like this, the simple life is better. The slower life is better. Uh, you know, some people literally quit what they're doing. They go build a tiny house or go in an RV, get rid of all their junk, and they enjoy life together with their spouse or with their family. Uh, they build a container home. You know, less is more, that kind of thing. A hand, as long as you can have quiet, but if you have the rat race, and you have, you know, you have the rat race, but, you know, you say, well, I've got this and I've got this. I've got all everything, you know, but where's the quietness? You're grasping for the wind and you're never able to reach the wind. I think people realize this too late. Young people, maybe they're out running, you know, uh, young men, young women out there running for the next thing in, in education and promotion and job and advancement and all that stuff. And then for the young woman, for example, she reaches 35 or 36 years old and she realizes, hey, I'd like to have children, but I don't have a husband. Uh-oh. I'm already in this childbearing years where it's high risk to have a child. What am I going to do? They've been grasping for the wind, and if they would have taken the simple approach, they could have been much happier. Yes. A handful with quietness and both hands full, together with toil and grasping for the wind. Chapter 4, verse 13, better a poor and wise youth than an old and foolish king. Better a poor and wise youth than an old and foolish king. Chapter 5, verse 1, walk prudently when you go to the house of God and draw near to hear rather than give the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know that they do evil. Wow, what worse condition could there be than not knowing that you're doing evil? not realizing how lost you are. What's the sacrifice of fools? I suspect it has something to do with yappity yap, flapping their lips, because fools like to do that. In, in many words, wants not sin, the scripture teaches us. Do not be rash with your mouth, there's the mouth, and let not your heart utter anything hastily before God. Why? For God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. Doesn't that make sense? You don't just go mouthing off when God's listening. 
Yikes. That's not a good deal. Chapter 5, verse 4 and verse 6. When you make a vow to God, do not delay to pay it. Do not let your mouth cause your flesh to sin. That's right. Your mouth can cause your flesh to sin. I'll be there. I'll do it. You make a commitment, and then you don't. Well, your mouth said it, but your feet didn't actually go there, so your feet have sinned by not following what your mouth said that it was supposed to do. Now, the New Testament teaches us because of the danger of making vows and the shortcomings that we have in fulfilling them, don't make any vows. Don't make any oaths. Just let your yes be yes and your no be no. Okay? You, we're only in chapter 5. Are you seeing that Solomon has a ton of wisdom here? That's very helpful wisdom. And uh, this was written approximately 3,000 years ago. This stuff is just as relevant today as it was 3,000 years ago. Very great wisdom here. Chapter 5, verse 12, the sleep of a laboring man is sweet, whether he eats little or much. You ever notice that after you work many hours during the day? Like, I'm not used to physical labor eight or ten hours a day because I do a lot of desk work. You know, I'm a desk jockey, they say. I roll around in the, in the chair very well on the floor. Um, and many of us have, be, have become like that, right? But when you work outside in the yard for several hours like I did a couple of days ago, your sleep is sweet, isn't it? You sleep better. Then when you're sitting there all day, you have nothing to get your fidgety energy out, and, you're, and then you lay down there in bed at night, and your mind is racing, and your body's not tired, and oh, what a waste, you know? Better to work and spend some time that way to burn off that energy. The sleep is sweet for a laboring man. Uh, chapter 5, verse 18. Here's what I have seen, Solomon says. It is good and fitting for one to eat and drink and enjoy the good of all his labor in which he toils under the sun all the days of his life which God gives him, for it is his heritage. You know, um, our brother will remember this. There was a fellow who used to, in our church that used to say this, I do not live to eat. I eat to live. Eating became a functional uh, task that had to be done in order to live. And it's true in a sense, but Solomon is commending us something else here. He's saying, don't look at being called for your meals or having to go eat as a drudgery. When you sit down with your family at the table, enjoy your meal. Enjoy the food that God has given you. You're not, you're not eating gruel and whatever. You're not eating just grits all the time. You're eating meat and potatoes and vegetables and sweets for dessert and all of those things that a king would have only loved to have 3,000 years ago. And you can enjoy that. It is your heritage from the toil that you have done. As for, man, or sorry, as for every man to whom God has given riches and wealth and given him power to eat of it, to receive his heritage and rejoice in his labor, this is the gift of God. For he will not dwell unduly on the days of his life because God keeps him busy with the joys of his heart. You see that? When you're, when you're full of life and vitality, you have something to look forward to, something to do. It's not just like, you know, negative all the time. Think of what you could do with your life ahead of you. The, tomorrow, tonight, you have opportunities it's the gift of God. You don't you know, dwell on all the down things. God keeps you busy with the joy of your heart. 
Chapter 7, verse 1, a good name is better than precious ointment. Talks there about the flies in the ointment, doesn't it? That's a wonderful word picture. Chapter 7, verse 2, better to go to the house of mourning than the house of feasting, for that is the end of all men, and the living will take it to heart. It's the, house of, it's the, it's the funeral house that's the end of all men, not the party house. Chapter 7, verse 5, it's better to hear the rebuke of the wise than for a man to hear the song of fools. Uh, Okay, turn on YouTube, for example. You could probably find a zillion songs of fools, but sometimes we don't want to engage our minds too heavily, so we'd rather hear the songs of fools than actually turn on and listen to something educational, informational, challenging, Uh, preaching that might challenge our morality or something like that. Better to hear the rebuke of the wise. It's better for your soul, my friends. Chapter 7, verse 9. Do not hasten in your spirit to be angry. Now, I've I've just lifted that up out of there. There's wisdom. Do not hasten in your spirit to be angry. Look at that context if you want some more detail. Proverbs is full of that. Um, James. Uh, other books in the scriptures. Chapter 7, verse 10. Do not say, oh, I shared this with the church yesterday. Do not say, why were the former days better than these? For you do not inquire wisely concerning this. Especially in our day, you know, we have so many conveniences and so many improvements, but we say, well, the good old days were better than this. Yeah, well, um, you know, you can go back in your mind and probably think of a few things in the good old days that weren't so good. September 11, the start of every war that you heard of on the radio or the news, TV news over the last 50 years, if you're that old, uh, Vietnam, Korea, the world wars, disasters that occurred in Beirut, in Lebanon, or in, South, in, in Central America, or in the Middle East, and ISIS, and all of this. There's a lot of stuff in the past 20, 30, 40, 50 years that isn't the good old days, my friends, but we have a, the mind has a way of kind of focusing on some of the good memories and leaving behind some of the bad. So Solomon says, don't, don't focus on all the good that was in the past. Make your present good. Make it good. Chapter 7, verse 14, in the day of prosperity, be joyful, but in the day of adversity, consider surely God has appointed the one as well as the other. So when something bad happens, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Job. Chapter 7, verse 20, a little theological wisdom here. For there is not a just man on the earth who does good and does not sin. Chapter 7, verse 21, do not take to heart everything people say. How about that? Didn't your mom tell you that? Don't listen to them. They're just turkeys, you know. Don't take to heart everything that people say. Yeah, it's in a sense, that's true. Chapter 8, verse 2. A man's wisdom makes his face shine. I wonder if you've felt that before. When, you've, when God has granted you wisdom, He's trained you, He's given you some experience, and you come up with a good solution, a good answer to a question, a a solution to a problem, and you just beam because you say, man, God help me with that one. 
you know, he helped me to, I knew what to do. 8.8, eight, no one has power over the spirit to retain the spirit and no one has power in the day of death. I think this often when I, I see these ultra rich people who parade about and, you know, as if they're the big influencers of the world and they're going to go the way of all the earth eventually as well. 8.11, because the sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, therefore the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. That's right. Slow punishment means more evil. That's what we're dealing with today with uh, prosecutors, attorneys general who are weak, who are weak against evil. They're not valiant for the truth and for righteousness, and thus we have rampant evil. Can you imagine a young person going up to an elderly person on the streets of some city in New York or Chicago and bashing their head in? I could not tolerate that. I could not tolerate that. And I hope you can't tolerate it either. It is sick. But this is why. People are being trained to do evil because of this. On the other hand, it will be well with those who fear God, who fear before Him, but it will not be well with the wicked. You suppose that man who thinks he got away with bashing in that elderly gentleman's head is going to get away with it? Not forever. He's going to stand before God, and he'll know. That's 8, 12, and 13. 8, 15. So I commended enjoyment because a man has nothing better under the sun than to eat, drink, and be merry, for this will remain with him in his labor all the days of his life, which God gives him under the sun. Now, I've taken this to be not a hedonistic type of enjoyment because it considers three verses earlier this phrase, it will be well with those who fear God. If you eat, drink, and be merry in the fear of God, that's different than eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die with no connection to God. You see that? It's totally different. I fear God, and He's given me something to eat, and He's given me something to drink, and He's given me something to enjoy with my family. That's okay. Perfect. But if you say, I don't fear God, and I'm going to do this immoral drinking, and I'm going to do this gluttonous eating, and I'm going to do this immoral activity, that's... That's, that's not what Solomon's talking about here. Chapter 9, 7 through 10. Go, eat your bread with joy, and drink your wine with a merry heart, for God has already accepted your works. Let your garments always be white, and let your head lack no oil. Live joyfully with the wife whom you love all the days of your vain life, which she has given you under the sun. You see, it's not the things that happen out and around under the sun. It's the things that happen in your home and in your family and in your life with your wife, with your children, with your church family. Those are the things that combat against that vanity, all the days of your vanity, for that is your portion in life and in the labor which you perform under the sun. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might, for there is no work or device or knowledge or wisdom in the grave where you are going. 9.16, wisdom is better than strength. Nevertheless, the poor man's wisdom is despised and his words are not heard. My dad would say that proverb, wisdom is better than strength, in a different way. He would say, 
you can either have a strong back or a strong mind. Or if you have, you have a strong back, you have a weak mind, you're not thinking the problem, and you know you're trying to do this, whatever, this physical task, and you can't do it when it's like, okay, do this and this and this, and then done, if you have wisdom, if you know how to do the, do the thing that needs to be done. Words of the wise spoken quietly should be heard rather than the shout of a ruler of fools. Wisdom is better than weapons of war, isn't it? If Vladimir Putin would have had wisdom, he would have realized that if he went into Ukraine, he would cause all kinds of other nations to want to go into NATO, which thing he didn't want to have happen. He should have used wisdom instead of weapons of war. But, alas, he did not have wisdom, certainly not godly wisdom. Uh, 10.9, he who quarries stones may be hurt by them, and he who splits wood may be endangered by it. What does that mean? Well, if your hand finds that you're a stone quarrier or a wood chopper, Yes, you may get injured in those tasks because in all of life there are risks, there are uncertainties, there are dangers, there are snares, uncertainties in life. But you know what? You can't live by saying, well, if I, I can't do anything that has any uncertainty attached to it because putting one foot in front of the other may mean that you trip on your shoelace and you go down and you smash your face on the ground. So in other words, you can't do anything without some risk. I'm, I'm sure you can probably think of some at least silly risk that could happen to you in any activity that you do. Yes, you're sleeping in your bed. Well, that's perfectly safe, except if a, if a meteorite comes from outer space and smashes into your house, or the tree right next to the house falls over in the storm at night and pokes through the roof and gets you. There's always risks. You cannot avoid them. This is what wisdom is, to understand them and to live instead of them. In spite of them, 10.10 says, If the axe is dull and one does not sharpen the edge, then he must use more strength. But wisdom brings success. We mentioned earlier about the Truth Matters Conference, and MacArthur's note there says, Wise living usually produces a good outcome. Usually, not always, but a good outcome, better than foolish living. 10.18 Uh, How much more do I have to go? I think we'll finish here quickly. Because of laziness, the building decays, and through idleness of hands, the house leaks. Now, you can make all kinds of excuses. You know, my house leaks and my building is decaying, but I'm not lazy. Go ahead. That's not going to work with God. Okay? Get up and get things fixed. Uh, 11.2. Give a serving to seven and also to eight, for you do not know what evil will be on the earth. I've taken that to be the diversification principle. You don't, don't put all your eggs in one basket is the way we say it in investment ventures, for example. And I will give you another one that's related to this in a moment. Uh, but it's giving, too. It is related to giving. So we have to decide here an interpretation. Is this you know giving generously in different directions, or is it... Is it um, allocating in terms of uh, investment or work or something. 
11.4, he who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. This is uh, extremely um, accurate to the life of a farmer who is looking at when do I cut my hay to know so that it will dry properly so I can bale it before it rains next and ruins the hay and the quality of it. So you have to play the game of the weather. Well, that's often a losing game. <laughs> Some, sometimes in the hot of summer, though, in July, whew, you, you, you got a few days of hot weather ahead of you and you know, but even then it's not for sure. You know, if it gets too humid, the hay doesn't dry. If the, if the sun starts to go down in the later afternoon, the dew starts to light on the hay and you've got moisture in that and then you've got to dry it and take more care to dry it. Otherwise, what will grow in it? Mold. You, you think your horses and cows want mold? No, so there's, there are hazards in doing that work. But if you look at the sky all the time and you say, well, it might rain or it might snow or it might, you'll never do anything. You'll never do anything. Get to, to work. Get busy with the things that are in your life that you have to do. In the morning, sow your seed. And in the evening, do not withhold your hand. It's talking about two distinct activities here. You do not know which will prosper, either this or that, or whether both alike will be good. So here it is, the, really the diversification principle. And uh, maybe you have used this in a way I have used this in my life. I have been in education and I've taken up opportunities that I've had at the seminary and with Gospel Mission of South America and in my professional life as an engineer, I was doing this and I was doing that and touching a few different areas sewing here and doing this in the evening, and uh, maybe this runs out, and you say, okay, well, I can transition, and I've got a job offer waiting for me here, you see? And so you're, you're diversifying your skills. Do that with your life. Don't just be a one, a one uh, instrument, a one trick pony, yeah, a one instrument band or whatever. Do different things, uh, whatever God calls you to and what you enjoy doing and learning couple more verses here, 11, 8, and 9. But if a man lives many years and rejoices in them all, yet let him remember the days of darkness, for they will be many. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let, not, I'm sorry, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart. And so you say, wow, that sounds hedonistic. But listen to the next phrase. But know that for all these, God will bring you into judgment. You're accountable. 12.1, remember now your creator in the days of your youth before the difficult days come and the years draw near when you say, I have no pleasure in them. It's not like I, you know, when you're 90 years old and you're sitting in your rocking chair on your porch. You know, it's not like it was when I was 30. <laughs> you know, things are different now. Yeah, you don't have the kind of pleasure that you had in those days. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is man's all. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. And thus ends the reading of the book of Ecclesiastes. That's the very last uh, phrase in the book. And so I don't know how many this is. This is probably maybe three dozen or so verses lifted out of Ecclesiastes that give the conclusions that he's trying to drive at. And you see a lot of the themes repeated 
over and over, a lot of the wisdom, and I, I'm pretty sure I didn't get all of them. There are a few that I had to bypass because it was just getting to be too long of a list. I hope that's uh, interesting to you, helpful, uh, uplifting, uh, challenging, encouraging. Uh, let you know again that there is so much profit in your Old Testament. That's only 12 chapters. There's, uh, what, 950 to go or so? Yeah, uh, there's a lot there. So let's pray as we close tonight. Father, we ask that you will send your people along the way with your blessing. Some are already in their homes watching on their computers, and for that we thank you. And I pray that you would, uh, as they shut off their live stream and computer, would give them a sense of contentment and fullness in their heart that they have heard some portions of the Word of God and will be strengthened and and helped to understand what it means and to have a good outlook on on life. Lord, you, you don't put us in life to just be dull and... unhappy and all of that, but you've given us life to enjoy. And I pray that we would see in life those things that are enjoyable and worthwhile and that we would enjoy our labor, enjoy the good gifts you've given to us and make use of the wisdom that you impart us here that will make us have a more successful life on balance than we would if we just followed the way of the fool. In Jesus' name, amen.